Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. The Bible says it happened in the spring of the year. David has about 20 it happened moments in first and second Samuel. But each time a statement is prefaced by these words, something unthinkable, unthinkable, something really for him unfathomable, even unimaginable happened in his life. Now, sometimes these events happen as a result of, of King Saul, who, who, who was jealous of him and hated him at times. Other times, you know, of his own making, and other times it was even family members. But every time David had a significant, often painful event in his life, it's prefaced by these terms. And I've learned something in life. I've learned when bad things happen, I have three choices, three choices. Let it define me. Let it destroy me or let it grow me. And David here is gonna have a choice. And here's the value of today's message. I've also learned in my, my short life that I'd rather learn from someone else's mistakes <laughs> than my own. So as we read the narrative today, we are gonna learn from the pain and the life of David. It happened in the spring of the year, at the time when kings go out to battle. Now, in this part of the world, there were basically two seasons in the year. They had cool, rainy season, which was their winter, and they had the very dry and the very hot summer. And what would happen is in in the winter, uh, because of the mud and all the rest, it was real hard for for armies to move. They get bogged down. So typically, they waited until springtime to go to war. But here's the deal. Winning is not only about having a right idea, but it's also about finding the right timing. And and there's a time for everything under the sun. And this was a season set for David to behave in a certain way and to do certain things. It continues. And David sent Joab and his servants with him. And watch this. All Israel. So we know since all Israel went out to fight here, that this was not a minor battle. This was a major battle. You don't send all of your men from your entire nation to fight a tiny skirmish. But during this time, also in history, we know that kings led in battle. Uh, they, didn't, they weren't in the back of the fight. They were typically in the front of the fight. They had some of the strongest men around them, though. But, 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 but something's happening here because this one time, a heroic warrior, Uh, the, the guy that ran at Goliath, remember, he ran to the battle. He sends others to fight in his place. So strange things already happened, and it says, you know, it it happened. So we know something's going on here. And and it says here, and we're a little bit surprised by this, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Reba. Now, David pretty much had everything on lock for Israel. He he had been leading and, and doing a great job. But, but in this, this, this situation, uh, amazingly, even without David joining them in the fight, he, he, he won. But, but here's the backdrop. David has been king for, uh, uh, you know, he became king at 30. He'd been king for about 20 years. He's about early 50s or so, uh, right where you are, Devon. And, uh, 
Chronicles says that, that King David won or, or was granted victory everywhere he went. So, so David was, was a very successful uh, military leader. He had survived every possible personal crisis. Uh, his influence by this time was spread throughout the entire uh, Middle East, the entire region, and his kingdom was absolutely flourishing. Life was good, but, 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 David, the giant slaying, the psalm singing, guitar, harp, whatever, playing. The man once called a man after God's own heart remained at Jerusalem. Somewhere along the way, he lost his fire. He lost his passion. He lost his fight. He lost his desire to participate. He lost his desire to contribute. He lost what it takes to stay at the top. Sometimes the opposite of happiness is not sadness, but boredom. And what happened in David's life, my suspect, is he got bored with it all. And you can, you know, for, for so long be on top and God could, I mean, God is good and he takes care of you and all the rest. But after a while, you can start to take those things for granted. And then it says what it said in verse one, it repeats it. And when the Bible repeats something because they don't have exclamation points, that makes it emphatic. So he says again, then it happened. When you're not doing what you should do, all that's left is to do what you shouldn't do. Then it happened. If we let the devil steal our passion, it won't be long before he steals everything else. A famous general once said this, he said, the most powerful weapon on earth is a human soul on fire. But I would add, the most pitiful thing on earth is a soul that has lost its fire. Then, it's going to get heavy in a moment. It happened. One evening, that David arose from his bed. Now, David was taking kind of a midday siesta, and that was common, you know, in this part of the world in Palestine. This is what you did that time of day. You got up with the sunrise, and, and when it really got hot during the day, everyone would take a nap and, and get ready for, for the evening. But here we have David. It's really a study of contrast here. In the most secure fortress in the Middle East, really, certainly in Israel, stocked with the best food, the best entertainment, he may have been protected from everybody else around him, but who protected David from himself? The safest place anyone can ever be is in the will of God. Yeah. All six of you, all right, all right, all right. And he walked on the roof of the king's house. Your restless evenings may be God trying to tell you 
something. If David was on the battlefield where he had ought to have been, if he was on the battlefield where he belonged, he wouldn't have been on the roof acting creepy. Most of the time, we don't have a sin problem as much as not living out our purpose problem. Pay attention to what I'm saying to you today. If we'll fill our time doing what's right, we just won't have time to do wrong. And from the roof, the place of disobedience, the place of comfort, though, a place he ought not have been. And by the way, many of you are on the roof right now. You know you shouldn't be in that relationship. You know you shouldn't be on that job. You know that you shouldn't be hanging out with that friend, acting the way you're acting, but you're there. And from the roof, James in our New Testament gives a surprisingly simple, people make it all deep. I've heard of people climb mountains, get in airplanes, trying to bind devils and all the rest to, to deal with, with enemies and, and the devil over cities and, 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 and principalities and, and, and all the rest. But, but James gives us a surprisingly simple way to win our spiritual battles. He says this, here's his advice. Submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. You can bind and loose to your voice is hoarse, but you will not overcome the flesh, the world, and the devil. Pay attention to what I'm about to say. In the parts of your life that are unsurrendered to God. So typically when I find myself starting to do things I ought not do, and, and I feel a tug on me that almost feels irresistible. My first place is, I, I, Lord, I, I, I surrender one more time again. Dear God, what part of my life have I not given over to you? Because my God is, we talked about a strong tower. We talked about him being strong and powerful. And the safest place any of us could ever be is in the will of God. If I had to choose between a palace and Vietnam, I'd be in Vietnam if it was the will of God. And from the roof, nothing, nothing is more powerful than a surrendered life in the hands of the Almighty, God. Here's something I also learned. But no one can surrender for you. Mama can't do it. Auntie can't do it. Cousin can't do it. Deacon can't do it. Bishop can't do it. The only way you're going to get your family right, the only way you're going to get that situation in your life right is for you to submit to God, resist the devil, and hit what? Flee. The Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he might what? Lift, yeah, lift you up. And here's the deal. The problem in our lives is not the devil. It's the man, it's the woman in the mirror. It's the person that won't yield. You heard it a thousand times, but you won't do it. You won't listen. You still think there's another way, a better way. I don't have to do all that. You hear what I'm saying? The answer is you. There on the roof. God gives you grace for the place you're supposed to be in. 
And if you are out of place, you're not going to find the grace you need for the moment. So when I start feeling I don't have grace, I start checking on my place. Lord, how do I need to adjust? Where do I need to move? What's going on? What did I do, Lord, to get in this situation? He saw there a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. Okay, watch the, the next part. To behold, meaning he wasn't just looking, he was beholding. Pay attention. Folks, it's natural to notice. I mean, it's not, you can't help but, but, but notice. But, but typically, it's not the first glance that gets us. It's the, the second, the third, the fourth that gets us in all the trouble. So David sent curiosities about to kill the cat. And he inquired. He didn't just see. He inquired about the woman. And again, some things you can't help but notice. But David took it to the, the next level, talking about, I spy with my little eye. You know what I'm talking about? And, and he pulled out a set of binoculars. He's on the roof and, and all the rest. How does this man, after God's own heart, find himself in this situation? There's grace only for the place that God has called you. And here's the deal. As holy, as sanctified, as right living you might be, get out of the place that God's assigned you. You're not going to find the grace you need to help. In the same way in that moment of need. And someone said, so he's inquiring, is this not Bathsheba? So, you know, Cousin Pookie always has a way of showing up, you know, to, to, to help us get into trouble. But God was also there. And God gave David some very, very important speed bumps. And God always, always supplies speed bumps. Every time I've done something wrong, there was something in my mind saying you ought not do that. You hear what I'm saying? There was always a set of circumstances that warned me before I I, I got there. God always warns us if we would just listen. And Pookie said, is this not Bathsheba? Watch this. The daughter of Eliam, speed bump number one. She was the daughter of one of David's mighty men. David only had 37 mighty men. It wasn't a large group. He knew all of these men by name. They fought together. They slept together. You know what I mean? They, 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 they fought. You know, I'm, now I'm trying to clean up what I said. Uh, but, but, but these were his, his closest, most loyal, and fiercest fighters. And they were with him from the very, very beginning. And you would think that the fact that Bathsheba was the daughter of a longtime friend, a longtime ally, I mean, this was his boy, this, this was his guy, you would think that this would cause uh, David to slow down and, and, and think. But then something else is added. She's the daughter of Iliam, who's one of his mighty men, but she was also, listen, Pookie even knows this. Ray Ray knows this. They're giving the report, okay? And, David, she's the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Speed bump number two. She was married. The fact she belonged to someone else ought to have been enough to cause him to pause and to put on the brakes and think. But no, David hit the gas. Verse four. 
Then David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. Fifteen minutes, two minutes, that he would pay for, for the rest of his life. Here's a short list of some of the consequences that came from that night. Number one, the Bible says in 2 Samuel eleven twenty seven, the Lord was displeased with David. In 2 Samuel eleven five, there was an unwanted pregnancy. In 2 Samuel 12 and 9, David then killed a loyal friend. 2 Samuel 12 and 15, there was a dead baby. In 2 Samuel 13 and 4, David's daughter was raped by his son. 2 Samuel 13, 20 was always a result of this incident. One son then murdered another. And then in 2 Samuel 15, 13, 1 Kings 1 and 11, there were two civil wars, all that came out of the house of David. And what happened was because of his sin with Bathsheba, God said that people from his own house would rise up against David. All of this was the result of 15 minutes. Five. No, that's the verse. What's in your heads this morning? And the woman conceived so that she sent and told David and said this, watch this, I'm with child. Here's what I've been saying to you for the last couple weeks. We are free to choose our actions and our deeds, but we are not free to choose the consequences of our choices. David was free to make that decision on his roof. But once he made that decision, he was bound by the consequences. Skip to 2 Samuel 2 and 13. So David said to Nathan, finally, by the way, he was living sideways for a while. He continued as king. He probably continued to sing songs. He probably, you know, had hits on the radio, if you will. He was, for months had passed. Finally, Nathan came to him and, and, and addressed him. And finally, watch what David said. He said, Nathan, you're right. I have sinned against the Lord. Now, most of us would think that nothing good could come from this abuse of power. Nothing good could come from this act of adultery, this, this, this hypocrisy and murder. Surely God would kick David to the curb. Surely God would have nothing else to do with, with, with David. But when David was confronted, that's what he did. He repented. There are two things God deals with harshly. Number one, an unwillingness to admit we're wrong. And second, the lack of courage to say I'm sorry and to try to make things right. <laughs> to God, sometimes those two or three things are worse than the incident itself.
when push came to shove, it's such like a real light and gentle spirit. And I was saying we're subdued. I guess, you know, God's like, I just, he just wants to give it to you gently today. So, so just let it just glide in your heart gently, okay? But God is cutting gently, okay? And it's because he loves you that he's doing it this way. When push came to shove, David owned his stuff. It never gets so high, so powerful, so mighty that you don't have to own your stuff anymore. We will all answer to God at some point in our lives. Stay with me, 2 Samuel 12 and 24. A lot goes on, but watch what happens. Then David comforted, watch this, Bathsheba, his wife. Now, this is the first time in the Bible that God or the Bible, the Holy Spirit, inspires the writer to use her name. Up to this point, she was just the wife of Bathsheba. When we truly repent, when we truly turn to God, he will give you a new name. You hear what I'm saying? David eventually did the right thing and, and, and married Bathsheba, and Bathsheba actually did the right thing and actually became one, uh, one of the most godly queens in, in, in Israel's history. In fact, she was the one that inspired Proverbs uh, 31 and verse 1. She's the, 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 the Proverbs woman. She was the one that taught that, that, that proverb to her son, and, and she embodied it in her life. Isn't that just like God to take an adulterer, to take a woman? You hear what I'm saying? And let me tell you something. Y'all know, and I know everyone's going to blame David, and, and, and nowadays, you know, we're in this, this strange cultural time that it's only, you know, it's only a certain group of people's fault. But here's the deal. I remember when Jesse Jackson lived around the neighborhood, uh, actually 522U in, in D.C., and uh, he, was, he was at a corner a block over. Every time I passed his house, I couldn't help but pay attention to my behavior and then start looking, you know, who might be visiting his, his, his house. And you need to understand, this was not Reverend Jesse Jackson. This is the king of Israel. Everyone knew where David's house was. Everyone knew David's habits, and David seemed to come out on his roof at night. Now, Bathsheba... Now, there are lots of places to bathe. But right in front of the place, the king tends to stand. She was trying to show him that she was working with a little something. You hear what I'm saying? And, and she was part of this whole thing. We don't get a story of her resisting. When, 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 when you know, that she comes back, you know, and, and, and he says that, you know, that she, she's pregnant and all the rest. I, and she, there's no, you know, spare my husband. There's none of that going on. But despite everything in her background, she became a godly queen. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.